What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in. Over here. With a friend. And found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Good morning, listeners. This is Jim the Keys Bartender coming to you from Key Largo. How are you today? Yeah, nothing like a good night's rest to really get you going. I'm going to start the show out today with a quick bartending tip. This is a friend of mine uh, suggested that I do this as often as possible. I should try to teach people how to bartend. But as I explained to my friend... I don't see myself as a consummate bartender. I do my job well wherever I am. I try to do my job well wherever I am. That's the caveat. I So I don't see myself as the icon of bartending. But I do know some things. I do know some things. And one of the things is, if you're working at a bar similar to mine, and my bar is where I'm practically surrounded on three sides by customers all the time. That they're if they're facing towards me, as most bars are. But normally, well, I guess most bars you just had one, but mine is I have three sides, and the back of the bar is the kitchen, and the kitchen guys are looking out just to see what the hell's going on, right? See who who's out there and stuff like that. So, the, one of the biggest things to see, if you have people come in there, people like to see, drum roll please, you wash your hands as frequently as possible. Yeah, they like to see that. Even if you may have touched something and you should wash your hands, as long as they see you trying to keep your hands clean and washing your hands frequently that people that puts people people's mind at ease that you're generally a hygienic person that people love seeing you wash your hands when you're preparing if you're touching their food and their drinks it is an essential there's all style there's all show there's the flippy flippy stuff if you want to be like Freaking Tom Cruise in Cocktail. Or the other guy, I forgot his name. Brian Brown was the actor's name. I forget the uh, character's name. He used to have all these real rules. Beer is for breakfast in his Australian accent. But I'm going to move on from there. Just remember that tip. Washing your hands frequently. Making frequent trips to the hand washing sink, which you should have behind a bar. At least in Florida. It's tough for those tiki bars and stuff like that where people are at outside where they don't have running water or don't have access to running water all the time. That's, oh, I don't mean to, I don't want to be all skied out, but you know, touching a lot of things 
It's important to do that. So if you do that, I swear to God, you're going to up your game like, I don't know, 50%. So yesterday I had made a special trip uh, up north to Miami to visit with a friend and go to a meeting and well with that friend and we had a wonderful day but the thing about traveling to Miami sometime is that you have to deal with traffic and in modern days now currently if you're going to a new place like I was checking out this new meeting room you um, you have to use your your uh, mapping apps right whether it could be you know an Apple one or what's that other one Waze Waze or Google Maps they have all these different options you have when you go up there they have the most fuel efficient the avoiding tolls staying off the highways, alternative routes, all these options you can add when you put in the mapping. And generally, I think it should default, and this is me, to the shortest possible time, considering people generally want to get someplace in a timely manner. It should just say, what time you have to be there? Or is this time sensitive? Because I don't know how anybody would take an option that would take an hour longer in order to avoid $2.50 in toll fees. And considering the price of gas idling for an hour, you could easily use that much gas. I just don't quite get the options sometimes. If If you're going to if it's one hour and it starts routing you someplace, I, I, and you know that's the worst time to have to put in the options while you're driving on a highway, whether it be Miami, New York, Boston. It'd be like, oh, God damn it. I'm in the fuel-efficient mode. It's putting me on alternate routes. It's taking me off the toll. How, how am I supposed to do this when I'm driving in a place where I'm using my mapping software and you really can't? I mean, you can. I guess there's a way. This is where my low-tech skills come out. I Sometimes people say, hey, you know, Jim, Jim seems to get it for an older guy. Well, sometimes I don't get it. All I have to do is go, give me the fastest route. That's what it should be. Give me the fastest route. So, and when it comes to these routing softwares or mapping softwares, I think we put a lot of faith in them. And when I was coming back from Miami, in the beginning, it went back to the default energy efficient use, shows a green leaf, which is admirable. I don't think it's much more. I think when they're talking energy efficiency, they were talking about like 5% energy efficiency. But I think what happens is when they put you on the streets, you're idling and stopping and starting and stuff like that. You end up probably using more fuel because they're just getting the distance, but they're not getting the time that you are idling. 
So here I am, I'm driving back, and it is traffic everywhere you turn. It, before hot rush hour. Before rush hour. Right? Think you're going to pop off? Think you're going to pop? You're going to think you're, you're going to jump on the highway before everyone leaves work? Guess again. You're in one of the fastest growing urban uh, areas in the United States, so. And it is busy. It's not only the workers, it's tourists. There's tons of people. Tons of people. And I'm not complaining about traffic now. This is not about traffic. This is not a old guy complaining about traffic. This is an old guy trying to see the plight of trusting your mapping app too much. So I get on there and I'm stopped in traffic and it shows you want to save some time. I went to the alternate because it was stopped. The alternate options. The options was um, shortest amount of time. I think I don't know how to phrase it exactly. But it took me off the highway and took me into Miami. And then I got to Miami and a whole new set of problems turned out where people are driving around like me. I'm thinking, I'm in I'm getting backed up by people that are seeking the alternate route. And they're probably picking up the people that are using different apps. It's probably opening up the traffic jam that I just left. So the 10 minutes, 15 minutes I would have saved increased when I moved on that road. It just seemed like that. So I pull off the side roads and I spend another 35 minutes going about two miles, two miles to inner Miami. There's a bunch of fire engines go by, a bunch of cop cars. People are passing me on the left and the right. It's, you don't know if you're in the left turn lane or the right turn lane when you're downtown because every so often they get the arrows. This is a right turn lane only. I mean, you do feel like an asshole when you're in the right turn lane only. But it seems like people are purposely going into the right turn lane only in order to buzz past you in that center through lane. But I do trust that app a lot. I trust it to make the right decisions. And sometimes I trust it a little too much. I go, but then sometimes I ignore it. I go look at it. I said, that isn't right. It took me off the turnpike once again after I was drove through that 35-minute downtown magical mystery tour. Took me back on the turnpike. And then it tried to take me off the turnpike again. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go my own way. Well, little does, to my limited knowledge of all the alternate routes, I stayed in one area of the road that took you back downtown again, and I was trying to merge over to right, and there's a lady on her phone, approximately my age, and she's holding the phone up to her, and she's talking to someone. And she's probably having the same difficulty as me, but she's blocking my access to another one, and I don't hit the horn and stuff like that. I just call her every word in the book, and I just realize in my head, oh, that wasn't her fault. That was my fault. Whenever I make a mistake driving or something like that, I got to find a, 
I don't know how you are, but when something happens wrong, sometimes I need to find someone to blame. And I was blaming this woman on her phone. I said, well, if that uh, person wasn't on her phone, I would. she would have noticed I had my signal change to go to the right, and I would have been on it, and I wouldn't have spent another 25 minutes driving through. I think I was, it wasn't Coral Gables at the time, but it could have been Miami Gardens. I don't know the neighborhoods yet. And then, when you know, whenever you get off the the highway nowadays in, in one of these in a city you know if you get off the highway when you're in Buford South Carolina on 95 there's one road from the highway and one road back and there's all these connecting routes and usually not a lot of traffic but if you're in Miami you pull off right near happy, happy hour I was going to say rush hour there's 300 cars waiting to make the approach to the road that takes you to the highway. So, I'm I, I st- I'm still so reliant on the mapping software because there's all these new uh, roadway constructions and new on-ramps and off-ramps. So, I'm probably going to still use it just to get me there. But, you know, now it seems to be, I better just pay attention to the road. And ignore some of these mapping software and fly by the seat of the pants. But I still love that thing when they show you the red line in there that there's a backup. Okay, let's move on. Um, we did the bar thing. I did the thing. Oh, I didn't talk about... The one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, role-playing games. But it kind of is an analogy for life. Back in the late 80s, mid-80s, when personal computers were making more deep inroads into people's lives, meaning people were having them in their houses and things like that. And people say, well, you're going to use it for this, you're going to use it for that. Remember when, when personal computers first started showing up? It was mainly for like tracking finances. A lot of times prior to 1982... I mean, they had personal computers, but people use it for scheduling and things like that. And they really weren't much more efficient than having a date book and a ledger and writing things down. You didn't, and you had to save when you were making making a document. You always had to save, otherwise you lose your work. If you're typing something or writing something, you never have to write save. You just have to do rewrites or anything. There's first drafts and final drafts. But the thing the computers would sell you on years ago is saying, well, the nice thing is you'll work on this thing and you can keep redrafting from the same page so you're not keep on writing and rewriting. And you go, well, okay, that's great. But the, the caveat, if you don't save, you could lose everything. If you don't print things out. That's what it was like in the beginning. You could spend hours and hours and hours. And you can lose a document. That does not happen as much uh, nowadays. It's usually when something disconnects or closes down, it saves the document. Which was like, why didn't you fucking do that in the beginning? Why wouldn't that be the first thing? Even before you can write a document. Before you can write a document, before we 
develop software to write a document, maybe we should make sure every time we start writing it that it saves everything. And you always can get back to it. That's the most important thing. Not writing, but being able to save what's writing. I said, Jim, you're putting the cart before the horse. Yes, I am. I'm putting the most important part. Why have a cart if you can't put anything in it? See, it's like having a cart to say, well, every so often, everything's going to fall out of your cart. Just, and it happens a lot. And that's what a, an improperly designed word press, processing program was. It was imperfect. And that imperfection affected the people who were the most vulnerable to forgetting to save things. And that was such a huge thing and people just didn't even think about those days. And you see it in some of the old movies, you say, oh, I didn't save. I didn't save all that stuff. Right? Now, you, you could save stuff and you can have it demagnetized and things like that. That's a good way to screw things. But you can just send it. You send it to your email and it stays it exists in the cloud. You know, these remote storages and you can, uh, 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 cloud storage, you can just save it. You can save it on the zip drive. You can save it a hard copy. So that was one thing. And another thing was stupid games. We say stupid games because they were stupid, lame games. The first digital games that came out before even home computers were things like Pong, which was just... A dot going back and forth. And then you had Gunfighter, which was Pong, but with guys that looked like they were shooting at each other. And it didn't bounce back and things like that. So that was the difference. You're shooting at someone. It was like a ping pong thing, but the ping pong thing was a bullet. It was just everything was based on Pong. And then you had, from that, you had everything that happened. You You had asteroids. You had alien invasion. You had nuclear, I don't know, the nuclear war one. That was such a t- dark one where you, you have to sh- shoot all the missiles before it hits a tank. I'm skipping something. Uh, not a Frogger. Prior to that, Pac-Man. Pac-Man was b- way back. So that's pretty much the things, real simplistic. And then you get the personal computers. Then they had role-playing games role-playing games. That's where my point was. It took me all this freaking time, all these minutes to get this thing, role-playing games. And in role-playing games, you'd be, you could be, uh, you see it in the movie, big. You have a storyline. It sometimes could be a vampire, could be a wizard, it could be uh, an elf. You're on a journey and you make choices. And each choice kind of put you on a path a widely different path than you'd ever have it was it was just an algorithm that's all it was if then but which was programming if this rule applies if you make this choice then your options are after this are these and that's how programming is when you add something subtract something you could either keep on adding, subtracting, or you could just take a sum total. And you go down the line, you always have options as you do it, and that's what programming does. 
And that's pretty much what happens in life, doesn't it? These small, but there's more leeway at bringing it back. Like if you'd make the wrong choice in a role-playing game, there's sometimes you could never go back. You can never go back. And that's pretty much... Uh, and it's inconsequential choices when it comes to uh, programming. Just a minor choice takes you down a path. And that's pretty much like life. You know, there's some big choices that could take put you back on the path. And there's just, it's al- uh, I guess it's an algorithmic journey. So when you're getting up in the morning, Right, and let's let's say you get up in the morning. You sit. You can decide. I'm gonna. Your alarm goes off. I'm gonna get up or turn off my alarm. Now, if you turn off your alarm, it leads to a whole group of other options. Meaning, everything you do is not going to be on a timely fashion. You may not end up doing anything that you needed to do, or you can end up missing. You know, a, a, a plane. Uh, a job, a relationship, that all from just turning off your alarm is in an option, a small thing, a small thing, and, and it could change your life. And then there's big choices too that you have. The big choices of like whether you're out at a party and stuff like that, and someone says, oh, you know, here's some, here's some wine. Have some wine, and you have some wine, no problem. And all of a sudden, here's some heroin. Now that's a big choice. Someone decides to go and do that. There's a possibility that they do it again and again and again. Small choices, and little choices that could lead up to it. That's why they talk about gateway drugs. But we're not talking about that. It's just a one choice that we make leads to so many different outcomes. I think you can call that the butterfly effect, where a butterfly flaps its wings, causes a little eddy of current someplace, and causes uh, a chain reaction of things that could multiply into something huge. I mean, life is like that. Things are happening all around. There's butterflies, birds, squirrels, whatever, rain, wind, sun, solar flares. They change the occurrence of things happening all the time. But it's rarely when you get the choice. It's not something happening. It's something you choose to do. When you have the choice, then you can affect things in the future. And here's the point I'm getting to. Whenever you choose something that's counter to your, let's say your brand. I'm going to call it your brand. You're the way you operate. Right? You go to a store, you go shopping. You're loaning a little cash. You don't take, you don't go and buy something you don't need. Right? You decide, oh, you need something and you don't have the cash for it. You say, well, I'll have to get another day. So, you don't buy it. Or, you have your choice and saying, well, I can just take it. No one's watching. I don't think they're going to know about it, and I'll just leave. 
just something little. It's just batteries. Well, that's against your... If you don't normally do that, that's against your brand. And that makes it easier to do something the next time. Or it makes you, may make you feel guilt-ridden. And now you're a shoplifter in your head. And you weren't ever a shoplifter before. And some people are shoplifters are probably wonderful people. Stuff like that. That's just something they do. And they don't go any further than doing that, taking those batteries. Other people, it just leads it down the road to doing something else. Misrepresenting themselves with the bank or things like that. Or a relationship. You're dedicated, you know, you give your impressions that you're dedicated to one person. And you're going to be loyal. And once you decide to do things that are counter to that oath of loyalty that you made, kind of an oath of loyalty, almost like an oath of fealty to a thing, you start going counter to who you are and you're taking, you're going away from that path, that mapping software that you do with life, wherever your goal was on your journey. You could be taking yourself on a side trip that goes further away. Further away, and then you can find yourself in a place that you never expected to be. And everything you did to support that original goal that you had in the relationship or in life is nowhere to be seen. You're someplace else, being somebody else, doing something else. So, I'm not going to say, hey, be careful with your choices, but there's sometimes when you have a gut feeling. There's things that we want to do that may feel good at the time. Like, for me, as an alcoholic, it would be like, well, I'm feeling a little stressful. Maybe I need a glass of wine. But then myself, you know, with my, what I do right now, I'd say to myself, well, Jim, you don't drink anymore. Remember, it's not the glass of wine you have now. This is the conversation I have myself. It's the bottle of bourbon you have a week from now. And then it's your behavior, how you feel the next day. And how you behave while you're doing that. And how you don't fulfill the obligations you have. Pick up your daughter or, the thing, or go, go out with your wife or be able to drive. Or driving while drunk. So all those things I think about. Because I always made those wrong decisions before. And I, my goal was not to be there. My goal was not. So I'll take you back. And this is where back in the 90s. I lived in a loft apartment in Philadelphia. Uh, I had a pretty good life on the surface. I was single. I was in my late 20s, early 30s. Had a loft apartment. Had a lot of, I'd have to say, friends. A couple close friends. Had a decent amount of uh, romantic partners. I don't need to go there because there's a whole bunch of different choices right like that. 
At that time, I wasn't seeking a long-term relationship. And any long-term relationship I found myself in, I found myself kind of breaking any agreement I had with them by like screwing around and doing things like that. And I'm not going to, you could blame it on the, you could blame it on the drinking, you could blame it on this, but generally it was the where I was, the way I was living my life. And, um, it had veered off so much from the time I had left high school in 1982 to night through about 11 years later, my life had veered off from the path that I thought I was going to be on. I was so far away from that. Doing things I normally wouldn't think I would be doing if I thought, if back in 1982, 83, it wasn't, I wasn't anywhere near the idea that I would be on the path to where I wanted to be. And was perfectly happy where I was doing these things. And then it kept on getting worse and worse. And I started isolating. I was drinking a lot. I wasn't doing many. I, I wasn't really much into doing many drugs. But, you know, your drug of choice is your drug of choice. But mine was booze. And I was isolating and isolating. Still having those topical, shallow physical relationships with women, uh, uh, you know, just friend, friendly relationships with a group of a uh, bunch of people, meaning just friends, not, not too in-depth friends, but just friends, drinking buddies. I started getting more internalized, internalized, and I didn't realize that I was isolating. I was staying up at night. I couldn't sleep. I was drinking late at night. I was recovering the next day. I would go to go and do my jobs, do my all my jobs poorly, which may have been adequate for my employers at the time. But I wasn't performing the jobs like I could have performed them. I could have excelled. And I'm not ruining those things. I just was off a different path. And I kept on doing things. Not I never tried to write the course that I had. That things were going off skew. I was isolating, higher anxiety. I didn't even realize I had anxiety. I stopped answering my phone. I had a hard line phone because we didn't, you know, cell phones weren't being used in the early nineties. Not prevalently. There were there were. I had a a, a car phone. It's called a bag in the box. I use it for work, and I had a couple two jobs. And even with the two jobs, I was financially insecure. Because I could very easily spend a hundred bucks a night on my drinking habit, or if I wanted to be, you know, budget drink at home, but even then I'd spend about thirty bucks, and that was a lot in the nineties. That was a lot. That was like a case of beer and a bottle of bourbon, and it was all from the choices I made. And all I had to do was make one choice. One choice was for me at that time, because of how big a role to pay my life was just to decide not to drink, not just to decide, do things that actively do that, you know, actually lead me on the path not to drink. But I didn't know at the time I was drinking too much, even though I was drinking too much. And it was apparent to everyone else I was drinking too much. And I heard people say, maybe you're drinking too much. 
but they didn't say stop drinking. They always it was always control your drinking, this, that, that, right? And I was smoking a ton. Like when I'm out drinking and stuff, I do three packs of cigarettes. So between all those, I've seen my financial problems. Let's say my financial problems. If I wanted to get rid of my financial problems, if I just stopped drinking, I would have saved probably 10 grand a year. Easy, easy. If I had stopped smoking, probably another 7,000. Like that. I could have gave myself a 17, that, that was rent. I could have paid my rent and my bills and done other things. And if I had just been a normal person, when you say normal, with active within the norms. And I'm not ruining the decisions I made back then because that's what I did that made me who I am today. And I'm on the path now today because of the things I did back then. And I'm pretty, I guess I'm, uh, if I turn it all on itself, I feel very fortunate that I took that path because I learned a lot. And what I learned is that once I started making bad decisions and I compound decisions on those based on the previous decisions I made, I get further and further away from my goal. My goal. Like getting up today, not not doing... I have a signing I have to do. I have to get jump in the shower, go down the tavernier, do the signing. And then go into work for a double today. I wanted to do the podcast because you know what? It opens this, these possibilities to me that I'm able to talk and verbalize these things that I was thinking of. That... As long as I try to make the right decisions and don't compound some of my wrong decisions with additional wrong decisions, I'm going to be okay. And I won't be that far away. I won't be far away from that path or that highway that would take me to my goal, my home. So, I'd like to thank you for listening today. And I'd like you to keep on downloading. I do appreciate that. I'm going to uh, get ready. I'm going to have a, I'm hopefully have a wonderful day. I'll be back tomorrow. And I hope you're back tomorrow. If you have any feedback about this episode, please send me an email to jim at keysbartender.com. I am going to uh, wish you all well, and I will be back. Have a great day, and let's play a little music. I'm um, this way, I'm not doing a live one because you know what happened in a live one yesterday. Talk to you later. Bye. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast Still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 
Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten recently. Prices at the pump are up, but I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free Upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back every time I buy gas. And does that actually add up to anything? I've made around $200. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free Upside app now. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SIMPLE for an extra 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, to PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SIMPLE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SIMPLE for 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. 